Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, Not Another Running Story. Thanks for joining us. We don't do small talk here. When we get outside and slightly uncomfortable, we get real, and we aim to continue these conversations here on this podcast. My name is Megan Fanning, and I'm the owner of Zendurance Now Coaching, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan, one of our coaches. Let's talk, let's get uncomfortable, and let's see where the conversation goes. The information in this podcast represents the views and opinions of Zendurance Now only. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice or treatment. We may be right, we may be wrong. Either way, be a solid human. If you're thinking about making a questionable decision, please seek out a qualified medical or psychological professional. Good morning, Meg. How are you doing this morning? I am good. I have something that I wanted to read because it's a book I'm reading, and I know you love to hear about all the books I'm reading. Um, a friend of mine, well, a couple people have recommended that I read Stronger Than the Dark by Corey Reese. Have you read this one yet? No. Okay. Um, a couple people recommended it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I need to read it. I need to read it. And then my friend Christine sent it to me. So now I actually have it. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll start reading it. The The introduction, I got to read this paragraph to you because it just reminded me so much of our podcast. He writes, I've noticed that the simple act of running has a way of peeling open your soul. It doesn't matter whether you're on the road, on a trail, on a training run, or in the middle of a race. It's as if the fresh air creates an intimate vulnerability where runners talk about things you wouldn't normally talk about in the real world. Ask anyone who's been out on a group run and they will verify the accuracy of this. More than just an activity to burn some calories, running with a friend is essentially a sweaty, smelly therapy session. For a while, let's imagine we're out on a run together. Let's talk about the hard things, the things that people are trying to heal, heal from, the things that are difficult to discuss. I thought that was like, I read that and I was like, it sounds like the intro to our podcast. Like the, the we don't do small talk thing. Yeah, but we talk about poop. We do. I mean, and he, I'm sure he does too. I just haven't gotten to that point. All runners talk about, all runners talk about. Bodily functions are a popular intimate, topic. Intimate, intimate bodily functions. Um, <laughs> you got to say it in that. You got to say it that way. My favorite. The, my favorite topic. The book is really good. The book is really good so far. I think I'm about halfway through. And now I know why everyone was recommending that I read it. Um, the title is Exploring an Intimate Relationship Between Running and Depression. So he did. Um, he talks about his struggle with depression However, he was training for and did um, all state, um, the 314 mile race across Tennessee, if, if people don't know what that is. So um, he's using that race to uh, to set the stage, so to speak. Is it funny? So, right. I've never really had a desire to do um, to do like bad water. Though, as I get older, I'm like, eh, maybe that'd be, but like Vol State if like if I had the the time to do it like if it fit in my life always seems like that would be a fun race to be a part of it's I mean in in the sense that it wouldn't be that much fun <laughs> but <laughs> but it would be like it's like that's like a legit adventure right like adventure I was yeah. just gonna say that adventure yeah and that it I think would be an awesome experience. Badwater, Badwater is my dream. I mean, literally my dream, and to in, in including Mount Whitney, right? Um, 
So if and when um, my foot allows me to begin running um, ultra miles again, that that is my goal. And yeah, running 314 miles across Tennessee, it sounds horrific, especially from the people that are doing it because you can do it um, screwed with without support yep. or screwed with support. Yep. And the people that do it screwed, oh my God, it sounds awful between like, weird things happening and dogs chasing after you but at the same time i'm with you like huh that sounds kind of fun <laughs> yeah um it, it's appealing it's appealing in an adventurous kind of way yeah it's dude i so i've there's um an acquaintance and he's part of part of you know the the death race endurance society crew and that's how i know him um a person it josh swink He's like, he's an army sharpshooter. Doesn't look like, doesn't look like your typical endurance athlete. And he's done ball state twice. Mm. Screwed. And he's got, he's got, he's got some of the most ridiculous stories of like, and my feet swelled up so much that I had to like cut the tops off of my shoes and then <laughs> they weren't good. So I went to Walmart and bought sandals and I walked in sandals for like, however long and like, it's just, yeah, and eating, eating gas station gas hot station dog, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for forever. Yeah, so I just picked up, speaking of books, The Brave you're Athlete. A, you're reading a book? Oh, I You don't maybe. usually read. Are you doing an audiobook? Are you, like, no, reading? No, I have, I, have, I have a book. I had, there was, I had some discount codes to get books. I get books. They're good to reference. I don't like to, I don't enjoy reading them, but I do. Um. The Brave Athlete, Calm the Fuck Down and Rise to the Occasion. Um, I got it. I, I got it to hope. It's a, essentially about how how to better manage race anxiety and anxiety in sport. And mm. I know that I know that there's several runners that listen to this podcast or athletes that listen to this podcast that probably suffer from some type of form of that in one one way shape or form and i mean i think to a certain extent all of us a lot of us do right like when we put you know expectations on a race or uh we start to have you know what whatever once once we start putting importance into an event a lot of times that stuff manifests itself and now how you deal with that and everyone else everyone kind of deals with it differently um you know, anyways, long story short, I picked this up. I was hoping to, you know, to expand my horizons and better be a better be a better coach, Megan, be able to help some people with their anxiety, maybe give them some tools. Did it work? Dude, I don't know. I haven't read the book yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll um, see. And and also, yeah, I, I do that. I do that for a living. Um helping people deal with uh performance anxiety so um yeah we we have a we have a little bit of expertise between you me and sam and uh it's do you do you show up in their bedrooms you're like you can do it you uh no can... not no, that kind that of performance might, anxiety that might, that might violate some some ethics um some ethics issues oh so My... different different kind of performance anxiety yeah yeah um <laughs> i can remember when i was a kid and I was racing, um, 
and I'm trying to think how early back this memory started because it wasn't cross country. So it was probably track in elementary school. And the, the moment that I'm most anxious is when the guy with the gun goes, he goes, on your mark, get set. And so in between the get set and the gun going off, like um, it, I, I can almost, I can, it almost is like a visceral feeling right now. I could feel this, like, almost like this wave of nausea come up in between right, and it's probably, what, one second? Mm-hmm. Between when they say, get set, boom. Oh, my God, though. That's that's absolutely the worst moment for me. And it's only one second. But um, all the nerves, everything just comes up. And if they waited five seconds, I might actually throw up. <laughs> but but it's usually one second or less. So, um, but oof, yeah. I just even thinking about that memory, I can feel it in my body. Yeah, I mean, that was the same for most swimmers on a start block. Same thing the way I grew up. Um, but we used to, and I, it probably, so because everything, right? Like in a, at a track, you have like stance and like, fields and, and like you there's just a lot more space whereas in a pool area a lot of times it's condensed in the area that you can be well, it depends if i'm on if i'm on blocks like if i was if i was on it, i guess what, I, what, I was I, sprinting. what i'm what i'm going to say is so in order before we would get up to we would get onto the blocks right so we would get onto the swimming mm-hmm. blocks you like would be like in a set of chairs that start going down the line, like of the pool, oh, right? So you're you you're waiting for your heat to go. So you're like in this, like, like just in this like line essentially to get up behind the blocks and start. So like that anxiety starts like probably four or five races before you yeah. end up getting up there. Track was track was a bit like it too, but somehow I'm I was always able to manage except that one second. Like I'm, I'm, I was pretty good at keeping cool at one second, just waiting for the gun to go off. And I'm like, yeah. Do you think, do you think it's the anticipation? This is always where I wonder what, what it is that drives it. Is it the anticipation and anxiety that exists from performance or the understanding that you're about to put yourself in a shit ton of pain? The latter for sure. Right, it's like absolutely, absolutely that. Yeah, but, no, no, but, it, it's but, the anticipation of what I'm going to go through because I can tell you, it was so much worse um, for cross country because and, you know cross country races in high school and college were anywhere from two miles to God, maybe just under four. It varied, you know, depending on the course, but cross country was so much worse. Because it was never like to me, it was always the that that's the exact thing, right? So it's about how much is this gonna, how much am I gonna suffer? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's mm-hmm. and that's not real, even though it's really <laughs> we don't have to even go there, Meg. We're just gonna use that word, semantics. Um, and it's it's, it's 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 about it's about <laughs> it's it's that knowing knowing that right and. And because when I competed, right, the intent was always how deep into that can I get? How deep into that cave, pain cave can I get? How much can I give? And as long as I'm giving 
everything that I got and I wasn't a coward out there, right? Then it didn't matter. Like the performance didn't matter. I can't do anything if someone's having a great fucking day, right? And they like smoke me, right? Like I can't do anything if I overshot my taper and like I have a bad race. Like I can't, I can't do anything a lot of times about the outcome of the race. I can only do what I can do to like make sure that I'm willing to like put that effort into the race. Right. And that's, yeah. and that's always like, that's where the anxiety comes. It's like, it's like, am I going to be able to like give everything that I have? I think that's like where, where it exists. Like, am I ready to like, am I ready to go through this pain? Like, am I like mentally? Exactly. And, the weird, yeah. and the weird thing is like, right. The minute the gun goes off, it all goes away. You're it's just, gone. you just yes. have to do it. Yep. It's too late to turn back now. So here's my question. Do you get that feeling in any other areas of your life besides athletics? That level of, you know, that split second of performance anxiety. Um, other than athletics, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe public speaking kind of drives that, right? Like you get kind of that same thing. Um, but not even, I don't, whatever. I don't, I don't particularly care about public speaking. Um, teaching, I, actually, I would say, I, I would say I teaching, I get that anxiety. Oh, yeah. Okay. Public speaking doesn't bother me. I, it's actually easier for me to speak in public or teach than make small talk in a room. I don't like, I don't like small talk. I would much prefer like public speaking, but I can tell you where I do remember getting that anxiety when I was going through paramedic school, yep. we'd, we'd have to do um, practicums where oh, okay. we had to do a number of scenarios that we, we had to act out, so to speak. I mean, we were using real equipment and dummies and needles and, and fake drugs, but it was scenarios that you had to prove you knew what you were doing. And like, if you didn't say one tiny detail, like you fail. I mean, there's certain, like there's certain criterion that you have to hit or else you don't pass. And I think I'm trying to think of how many of those I had. Um, I mean, I did them a zillion times in practice, but, uh, probably six, 12, I think 12 that I can think of for formal testing, different, um, you know, different medical scenarios. Um, and I, my nerves would just be shot. And I, you know, I studied, um, I was ready, but I would feel so nervous that I had to keep myself together because my nerves were going to make me screw up. Um, like I didn't want to accidentally grab, um, you know, the wrong concentration of epinephrine or something like that. I mean, that would be, that would be a fail. Um, you know, just remembering to look carefully at bottles, to breathe, um, all those little steps. It, again, it wasn't that I didn't know how to do the procedure. It was, I was so nervous about my performance that it, actually, here's a good example. We have to do, we had this one scenario that we have to do with a cardiac machine and a dummy, and we're walking through a code and the instructor would give us different scenarios. Okay. This person's in VTAC without a pulse. And we have to say what we do. Um, I looked at my pulse afterwards, my pulse hit 140. I was yep. that nervous. And then here's the, here's the gross part. So I have gloves on. Okay. And after the scenario, I take the gloves off and I'm talking to the instructor and he's going over it with me. 
um, I passed all my scenarios, um, but I put my hands down on the desk and my hands were so sweaty. I left two wet sweat prints on the desk nice. and this was during COVID. And I, I looked down when I picked my hands up and he looked down and he looked at me. I'm like, yeah, that's gross. Sorry. And I had to take wipes and clean up and clean up the desk. I felt like such a dork. I was like, just get me out of this room, please. So, so yeah, you bring that up in, and there is, so I, in my non-coaching um, job, I have to do, we do, we do continuous education training and we have um, simulations that we run through. And these simulations are essentially real life computer game type stuff. Um, but it's, it's exactly, it mimics exactly the control room that we're in, um, the, controls on everything that we do as far as operations go the calls come in and the, like everything is it's, it's a it's a legitimate simulator right like as far as as far as um comparable it's not like a tabletop exercise it's not and we'll and i'll get anxiety going into that especially if it if it if it becomes something where it's like i need to do this properly to continue to be employed dude yeah 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 that's it's that funny. but that's a different pressure than right. like the athletics like right. the, the, in, but in athletics i didn't have i didn't have anxiety about my performance my anxiety right. was the pain i was going to endure however in school my anxiety was completely performance based and i wanted to make sure that um i was that my skills came across okay it so it's it's interesting um i had to do a lot of work um in paramedic school to work on keeping myself calm in those situations and it's funny because i would be freaking out at these test scenarios and at one point i was like i'd much rather this was like a real human that was dying and I was treating because I'd be much calmer because <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but when it's actually real in front of me, I mean, sure, you know, we get nerves. I'm not going to say we don't, um, but I, it was at least a hundred times calmer than when I was testing. Yep. So, I mean, we've, we've, right. Like in everyday life, things come up and it's my, my wife's like, your like reactions to things are so weird. So like one night, like all the fire alarms in our house, like started going off and like, everyone's like, Oh my God. Whoa, whoa. And I'm just like, all right, <laughs> let's go. Okay, for everybody, everyone... Sean, Sean just kind of waved his hands up in the air. And then the, all right, was this heavy laden brown face. I wish, I wish y'all could see it. It was funny. It was anyway, like... sorry to interrupt. I had yeah, to yeah. just point that out for those who couldn't see the humor in that. So I'm like, so everything's like, so it's just because of like all the time I spent in like the Navy and like drilling and right. just drilling. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's like, all right, just like everyone, let's go outside and like, I'll take a look around the house. And everyone's like, oh my God. And I'm like, there's, there's nothing. What are but, you going to do? Just go outside. Like, okay. I had this conversation with somebody yesterday. Here's my issue in life. I am, I feel like I'm pretty solid when it comes to book smarts. Okay. I can, I can hold my own. I'm all right. Um, I can do hard things. If the zombie apocalypse hits, 
like you want me by your side. I'm going to keep everybody calm. I'm going to make sure there's enough food rationed. We'll get the guns. We'll do whatever we have to do. Like, I'm cool with that. I'm leaving everyone. I'm going by myself. I'm sure you would. This is, <laughs> this is what this is what I've ever learned from zombie apocalypse movies. And I don't mean to digress on this, but I'm going to. Is that as soon as you involve someone else, you okay. end up dying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But my point being... I, I don't plan on a zombie apocalypse, but really, who knows at this point, I can do hard things. I can totally handle hard things. Like we have um, some really difficult stuff come come across our paths at work and I can handle it. I feel competent, but it's the small things in life, like having to do small talk or having to call a customer service, um, having to deal with the dishwasher repair person and not that they were mean or anything i just it's those little things stress me out and i yeah i really struggle with small things dude you know what's awesome in this new day and age most appointments can be made without talking to a human being you can just do it on your phone or online it is my favorite thing in the world i talked so part of my job is that i talk to people all day long like all day all it's all day long I talk to people and I have no problem doing that. But the minute I have to like call customer service or have to make an appointment or do any of that stuff, I'm like, I don't want to, right? Like, like you're saying the, the, the dishwasher repairman, you're like, so this guy comes in he's like supposed to fix your thing. And you're like, do I like hang out with him? Do I leave him alone? Like, I just, do I, I like, can't, I can't handle I, these smaller life decisions like and my oh thing my is God. like i just want to help them i'm like listen let me like let me what do you need let me help you like it's just that's the way i am and yeah, i know that's I, not but anyways yeah, give me give me the big life and death issues any day over not being able to find something in the grocery store i will not ask i i will wander around and i and i know it's not i don't know i know small things i'm working on i'm working on the small things um you know, give me cognitive neuroscience or something like that any day, but I well, can't one, find something in Best Buy, I'm screwed. Well, that's because like, right? So like one is is based on instinct, right? Like essentially you've prepped and like drilled these big things, right? And so you know how to do them. You don't have to think about it, right? And the other thing, so like the, the cognitive act of like self-centered, whatever, like, um, I don't know, self-centered fear, self like self-doubt, like all that stuff. Like I don't want to seem like a dumbass, like doesn't come into play, right? There's just no no time for that to like that to exist. But as soon as like it's like I have to find like the HDMI car or HDMI cord <laughs> at Best Buy, you're like, fuck, I'm someone's gonna think I'm an idiot that I don't know. And then they're gonna talk to me about like then they're gonna be like, Hey, do you want this HDMI cord or do you want this one? Or do you want this one? And you're gonna be like, I don't I don't know. Don't Give me, give me a whatever. cord. Exactly. <laughs> give me a cord. I don't at 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 the age I'm at now, I don't worry about appearing stupid. I genuinely truly don't care what people think about me, except for those Apparently that are close you to me. Do. Apparently <laughs> you do. No, it's not being stupid. It's just like I worry about expending the energy and what if it makes me anxious and or this is what happens. I will be looking, I'll be like, excuse me where are the HDMI cords? And literally they're like right in front of me. And then I make a joke because I have to joke all the time. And I go, 
ha, ha. I was just seeing if you knew where they were. I was testing you. Like, I don't <laughs> say something stupid like that. And I'm like, oh, my God, what a dork. Um, yes, it's just just leave me in my own little bubble. Let me do my thing. But if you need to have a heart attack or if you need counseling after a trauma, I'm your girl. I can support that. But don't 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 send me out for an HDMI cord, please. Yeah, I make Carrie make my appointments for me. For the most yeah, part. Actually, I do the same thing. Not Carrie, but I have Bill do it. I also I also have I lack a lot of patience. So sitting on hold just it, it like oh, it doesn't make me anxious. It's just yeah. like my anger like yeah. level continues to rise. And then I'm just like, fuck it. I hang up and like I'm like, eh, this I, won't get done. I think it's it's all of my careers um, have taught me to be patient. And I learn how to I do a lot of hurry up and wait. And I can just zone out and make myself keep myself busy. Like, oh, here's an example. I I went into one of our offices on Thursday and I was going to do some of my telehealth session, sessions from there. The only other person there was my colleague. I didn't have the Wi-Fi password. So I was like, okay, um, I can't sign on on my phone. My phone signal's not working. And I have no books. I have nothing to do for like 40 minutes. So I, I look through my, <laughs> I had a book on, on bonsai trees um, because I'm taking care of a bonsai tree. That's a whole different story. But so I'm like reading this book on bonsai trees and I was like, oh, okay. So I had 30 minutes to read a book on bonsai trees. It's like, okay, this is all right. And I can somehow just transfer into a happy place and just wait until um, I can get the Wi-Fi password and, and get on my session. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, um, yeah, I, I, I lack patience. I drive aggressively, which fits in in Connecticut. That's fine. Everyone kind yeah. of, it's, it, but like, oh God, I hate minivans. <laughs> and, and so I drive a lot of back roads to get to and from work and stuff like that. And I'll get stuck behind, behind a fucking minivan going five under the speed limit. And all I want to do is drive my truck right through the back end of that fucking minivan. I just have this ability to go to my happy place. I mean, I really do. Like, I just. Tell me more, Happy Gilmore. I know. I don't know what it is. I just zone out and I'm like, can't control it. Okay. And it's not that I'm like this chill or enlightened person. I think that for so many years, I've struggled with anxiety and and all this stuff. And I finally learned like that type of energy for me is just wasted and it just gets me all jacked up and it doesn't serve any purpose. So if I can like chill out, listen to a podcast, listen to some music, talk on the phone, eat my breakfast. I often eat driving to work. What if you're going to be two minutes late because this person's I still can't. I still can't control it. I, I get mad initially, but I can't. Very, very I can't. Well, no, it's not then. It's just, I feel like it's like realistic. I can't get around them. Oftentimes when I drive into work early, I get stuck behind all the school buses and I'm like, oh, I wanted to get into work early to get this work done. And of course the school bus stops every five minutes. So I'm like, okay, yep. I should have remembered when you try to drive in at this time, there's always school buses in front of you. I don't know. Well, this is it, it's probably why it angers me so much because I know it's my own fucking fault. Mm. Yeah, you, I, gotta and, let that, you gotta let that go. You gotta okay. learn to you gotta learn to self regulate. Fucking angry, like rage. Like I'm not gonna get out of my 
truck and like smash someone's face in. But if you are at that stoplight and the car in front of you is greater than a car length away, when that light turns green, you better <laughs> you better be well aware that I'm gonna lay on my horn until you fucking move. See, that just makes me want to sit still. It won't. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Again, I just, I feel like I have so much going on and there's only so much of me to go around. So I'm very particular as to where I spend my energy. I try to, but again, not enlightened. I just feel like more of a realist. Yeah. I'll let dude, you know when I reach enlightenment. Dude, we were supposed to go see Trampled by Turtles tonight. Just fucking, I total, total fucking non sequitur, non transition whatsoever. Anyways, we we're supposed to go see Trampled by Turtles tonight. Um, and I was super amped, and the lead singer got sick, and they like are rescheduled. I'm so sad. I was, I was so amped. I was like, oh, and then so let down. It's it was crazy too. We uh, last night just sitting on the couch, and I'm like going through like my phone notifications, and it's like date change for concert. I was like, what? And it, like my ticket date change had like automatically updated from like today to like January 29th. And I was like, what? <laughs> it was like, that sucks. And the kids were going with you too. Was yeah. that concert the kids? Yeah. Yep. We were going to have a family time and then drive up to Vermont afterwards. Well, you can put on your, your little furry costume and hang with your family. Dude, we're going to still go up to Vermont. We still have, um, work to do on the house my days never end I, but at least i get to run in vermont and at least you get to at least you get to talk to me i do get to talk to you i had a good bike ride this morning and, and then i get to talk to you um i did nothing this morning but work um i was out really late last night and i don't know i don't i'm not supposed to be working today but i am um just sort of doing catch-up and stuff so who knows who knows how the day will look Later you're on. you're in a closet. You're in a closet right now, Megan. The I'm day's literally not in a closet. So the day to, can't get much worse. To explain that, oh, happy Veterans Day! Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you for your service. Uh, I am in a closet because it's Veterans Day. Um, and what I, did, means, I didn't do anything special, Meg. I just didn't graduate. I just barely graduated high school. That's what I did. That's how I ended up being a veteran. Still counts, man. Still counts. Um, <laughs> and and I didn't die. <laughs> True. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, everybody in my house is home. So there is just no space in my house right now. And I needed a quiet place. And my closet is the only place. So I'm literally sitting in my closet and Sean was pointing out, he's like, Oh, I recognize that race. <laughs> like, like you can see all my you can see all my race sweatshirts and all my clothes. My work clothes are on this on the right side. That's oh a lot gosh. of, that, I mean, your work clothes, a lot of leather, a lot of latex. I'm very confused, but I, we, we'll just well, roll with it. Well, I am allergic to latex, so I lean more on the vinyl side, to be honest. Oh, I'm sorry. It's hard to yeah, tell. Yeah, this, this, okay. And casual on the left, and all of my exercise clothes are right behind me, and shoes are on the floor. So, and I got a, I got a little setup going on in here, so. <laughs> it's nice. Nice setup. It's working to, so far. I'll, Sound I'll is to, okay. I'll have to tour you around my closet sometime. Now, with that said, our topic for today, we're supposed to be talking about recovery. 25 um, minutes into the podcast. Let's talk yeah. about the topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we roll. 
Um, because it was just like what Corey Reese said. This podcast, we just need to kind of go where we need to go. And sometimes we have a topic. Like, remember when we were doing race specificity? Um, we didn't talk about race specificity at all? We sort of did. We talked you, about training specificity. And I just don't want to say that word anymore. And I think um, we used the word twice because we didn't want to Nobody can say it. <laughs> but, but it's, it's a spinoff. And I think recovery is really important to talk about today for me, because I'm literally exhausted. Um, when, when I was waiting for you to sign on, I was just walking around the house, just kind of like picking up odds and ends and really not doing much, just sort of putting stuff away. And I felt like if I sat down, I was going to go to sleep. Um, I am burning the candle at both ends. With work, which I typically do, I started school again, um, and um, and I'm also in heavy duty rehab mode. I started some new physical therapy work. Um, kicking my kicking leg. the heroin. Yeah, yeah. God, out of all the problems right now, I'm thankful that heroin is not one of them because yeah. But you want to know something? On a side note. <laughs> since we're a little since we're a little since we're a little ADHD today um i'm getting this work done on my leg well on my leg specifically like the right side of my body because when i crashed i fell all on the right side of the body all of the breaks i think except for a shattered thumb I got a shattered thumb on the left side but everything else was all on the right side anyway i noticed i have not changed shoes i have not changed activities nothing changed and I'm starting to get new hot spots and blisters on my left foot, which interestingly enough means for me, somehow my gait's changing. I have no idea what's happening. I don't know what's going on, but things, bones and mobility and things are shifting in my body that I actually got some, I got a blister and a hot spot. Um, so I don't know if that means that the, that the PT and, and stuff is working, but um, things are definitely moving around. Well, that's good. I think so. You think, think so? so? I'm not <laughs> I sure. Hope so. Maybe it's good. <laughs> I hope so. So, so yeah. So with recovery, um, today's my my split. You know, I said today's supposed to be my day off. Um, I kind of need to chill. Um, but I tend to have a very hard time on days where I have nothing scheduled. I long for days where I don't have anything scheduled, but when it actually happens, I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm like, I don't have to be anywhere. I don't have to do anything. I don't sit still very well. I don't relax very well. And I know for those of you that know me, I know that's so surprising because I'm such a chill individual. But <laughs> I can't, I don't know how to, I, I have a really hard time handling days off. And um, when my athletes will typically kind of balk at I build a recovery weekend um it, it depending you know depending on I don't know three or four weeks you know typical typical cycle depending yep. I mean it might change and people initially balk and they're like oh I don't want to and but it makes them so much stronger and they're in their athlete recovery week is not like sit on the couch and watch Netflix all day it's just we're decreasing your miles I decrease the strength training I give them an extra day off um, you know, just easy, fun stuff, you know, as opposed to, you know, the, the workouts that are pushing the boundaries. But as soon as 
an athlete typically gets through like one recovery week, they're like, oh, okay, this isn't so bad. Because when you go into your next build cycle, you feel so much stronger. So I guess the, I guess what I'm saying is do as I say, not as I do. Because I'm right about what I say and my knowledge is right. But for the love of God, I still struggle with my own recovery. Yeah, I'm good. I'm pretty good with recovery and recovery You're a week. more chill person than I am, though. And I have to say, despite your rage, you're still just a rat in a cage. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I had to throw that in. Thanks, Billy. Despite your, yeah, yeah. <laughs> despite your rage that you just mentioned, I think overall in life, you're calmer than I am. You're not as, um, the word? Squirrel. Um, Maybe you're not a, yeah, you're not as ADHD as me, but I'm also like, I, I wake up in the morning and exercise. So I'm calm for my day. I, if I don't exercise in the morning, I show up to work like speedy Gonzalez and I can't, and I can't function. So I'm constantly working on self-regulating to help myself chill out. Yeah. You kind of have that. You have a little more of the natural chill out despite your rage. Yeah, I just it's 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 really just behind the wheel. Um, maybe anything that really tests my patience, I I tend to like tend to sometimes my my children get that way. Um, no, kids don't do that. Come on, fucking, kids are easy. Kids are yeah. so easy. Everybody should just have housefuls of them, full of them. You know, it's people talk, say it's hard. It's fine. Easy peasy. Have babies, lots of them. As I'm, okay, coming from the person who's hiding in the closet because she has no space in her big house. For sure. <laughs> yep. Dude, I get it. Um, oh, but yeah, I get to both drive a car and deal with children on the way up to Vermont here in a little bit. That'll be awesome. awesome. Okay, my my girls have a story that they they still laugh at. We were we were driving back from the Outer Banks. I think it was when we lived in Connecticut still. Um, so, you know, typically depending on traffic, how much you stop, it's like a 10 to 12 hour drive, yeah. all right? And I think, so it was Maeve and Shay, and I think they were about like eight years old and eight and 12 maybe, like that age. And they were just fighting in the back seat. And it was just me, um, just me with the girls. And I, was so frustrated at them and I just finally I I yelled at them you two better stop it right now or I'm I'm I had nothing literally had nothing. I go like this I go I, I I'm gonna do something <laughs> girls the girls both stopped what they were doing and they just started laughing so hard they're like you're gonna do something I'm like I have nothing I'm in a car <laughs> I can't take anything away. I can't make you go away. Like so so they still to this day will say to me, you better stop or I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do something. I just said Dude, I'd no I'd no threat. I, can't, I you cancel all vacations going forward. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Like they'll believe that. <laughs> Dude, I've canceled I've canceled vacations on multiple point, er, occasions. <laughs> and your kids believe that? Um I think they used to. I think now they just laugh at me. That's just, what, yeah, you're going to do something. That That's going to cancel vacations again. Yep. Oh, Fuck it. God. No more vacations. Fuck you all. Yeah. <laughs> I can go well, to hell. Is, 
This is why we need recovery because we are- <laughs> back yeah. on topic. Like, like, steer that boat well, right no, like, can we go on a vacation? Like, I need a, I need a recovery from, from life. Dude, my vacations are races, so I do not vacation recovery very often. Actually, I take that back. I'm going. We're, we're going on a vacation, on a, on a cruise. And I you guess do a lot of you do a lot of cruises, dude. I so. Because I am the way I am when I go to a new place. Much like you're saying, like, you can't have a day of comp. If I go to a new place, I'm like, there's got to go. I, I like will research. I'm like, we got to go here and do this and go see this and do this and do this and this and this and this. And it is it is like an endurance event. For me, but like. The chances of being in that place again, I always feel like is is not necessarily there's no guarantee that it'll happen right so you're there take full advantage of wherever you are and go out and do that like be part of that find out what's awesome about this place that people tell you to go right so so that's the way i vacation which is why on a cruise ship i'm forced to stop right like it's like it's like there's only so much you can do on a cruise ship, even like the amazing ones that have like water slides and zip lines and all that stuff, because I also lack patience. So I won't wait in line for all that stuff. So I don't care that it exists, right? Like it doesn't matter to me. So like, so all the, all those things that like people want to wait for, I will just, I'm just like, God, oh, it's not that important. I will just do something else, especially because like, it's cool that you did a zip line on a cruise ship, but there's like way cooler zip lines in the jungle in Costa Rica. So like, if you're going to go do yeah. right, you know what I mean? Like, it's not yeah. like, it's not like you're missing out on something that you like can't yeah. do somewhere where it's better. Yeah. Um, and so anyways, so on a cruise ship, it like forces me. You're held, you're held captive. Yeah. And so, and that, that keeps me from so being like, forced, we have to do this and this and this. Forced and this. recovery. It is forced recovery, forced relaxation. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I, my days are very simple. It's like, I wake up, I go work out, I eat breakfast. I like take a nap. I go hang out by the pool. Oh, I thought you were talking about real life. I was like, no. what? I was like, you take a nap after you eat breakfast? Oh, like, God, how do you the, do that and go to work? It's, like, it's, what kind of life are you? I was like, what kind of life are you leading? My, my cruises are the best. I, there is nothing I like more than a late morning slash early afternoon nap the best we were we were talking about this before we recorded i think but i am exhausted today i typically can't sleep during the day unless i'm sick um so right recovery is really hard for me i don't think i realized it until we started talking about it i'm like huh i need to i need to learn how to chill out more that's why i do yoga every morning because i need to chill out imagine what I would be like if I didn't exercise, I'd just be dangerous. Maybe you'd just be like, maybe you would start getting super fat and become super lazy. Maybe like it would like the propagate. Only time, the only time in my life I've even gained weight was when, um, was when I was pregnant. Did and you want to, you want to put some theory to practice? See if we, like you stop all exercise, what happens? No, no. I, well, well, that, okay, that happened, remember, when the fixator was on my foot. So I had the fixator on my foot, so I couldn't walk for three months. So I had to use a crutches crutches or um, a walker. And 
what happened was I lost a ton of weight and, but it not in the way you want to lose weight. I lost all of my muscle weight and I felt very, what's the word? Um, I just felt like bones and skin. It was not an appealing skinny fat. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. And, and so from sitting around like that, I did not put on weight. Um, but I lost all my muscle. So I, I still feel like, I still feel like I'm working to put that muscle back on, but, oh, that's, what's interesting is not, not doing, this is the, I haven't been running like I normally do. And to notice, um, to notice the changes in my mobility and flexibility, um, and even my ability to strength train is just so much different. Um, I, sometimes I think I can't do things and I go, oh yeah, well I can do it because I didn't just run 15 miles before yeah. I'm trying to do it, you know? <laughs> yeah. My, uh, so same thing. I mean, this is, I wouldn't say this is my recovery part of my macro cycle for my season. Um, but it's sort of is, it's, it's a little looser. Um, I still, I still run a fair amount. I'm spending a ton of time. Well, not a ton of time, but I'm spending a fair amount of time on the bike, whether it be spinning on the Peloton or like out mountain biking. And I've been doing strength and it, it's, and because I'm not running, like you said, like 15 miles, I'll go in mm-hmm. and I'll do a full strength workout. Whereas like once my running mileage starts maxing out, it's like, all right, well, it's like these four exercises and the way I, I, I structure my sets. And then the next three days later, it'll be these four sets. So like I split what my normal workout is into two workouts because I just don't have a, the time or the energy to do yeah, so you're you're in you're in recovery mode, but it's like recovery fun mode, you know, because you get to because you get to bike and do all the do all the good stuff. Dude, I wrecked so fucking hard, so hard last Friday. It was. <laughs> Carrie's like, I don't even want to talk about it. So when she listens to this podcast, we'll we'll um. Just Carrie, fast forward this section, and also for to validate Carrie's irritation, um. Given that, given what I've been through, um, and what my husband's been through with various bicycling injuries, I tell him, I was like, if you go mountain biking and you get seriously injured, don't come home because I will kill you myself. Like, I just can't, I'm like, I'm not taking you to the hospital. (laughs) So I, um, yeah, I, long story short, I like had two fairly good crashes last Friday. Um, one, one, it was like, like I, I replayed in my head as I'm like, I'm like, I did this and this and this wrong. Like I know everything that I did wrong. Like a, I like, I got scared of the speed, which I needed. And so like, I braked a little too much. And then like the jump looked bigger than it was. And then I looked down at the area that I did not want to hit. And it, that's exactly what happened, right? Like mm-hmm. I set the bike down and I went nose first into like the, essentially what the gap landing is. And it sent me smashing down into the ground. And I like, and I smashed my shin into a log and went sliding to the stop. And I was like on my shoulder, like didn't hit my head, which was good. And I was like, I was like, awesome. The bike didn't land on me. As I'm like sliding to stuff, I'm like, sweet. The bike didn't land on me. 
smash like the bike <laughs> right over my back. <laughs> Like I, I had just enough time to have that thought that like the bike didn't land. I mean, that's awesome. And then it came smashing down. Yeah. Um, so it probably looks super awesome. And then because of that, I went off a drop late. It wasn't a big, it wasn't particularly big. I mean, big enough and it was steep and there's a ton of leave cover out this time of year. And it was, well, which was part of the reason that like I was tentative on the speed because of the leave cover and slipping out and, um, it's just it's probably not a bad it's probably a bad time to be trying new jumps that are pushing your boundaries um but you have time to do it now but i have you're time to do it exactly so it's in reco- you're in recovery mode now so you got to suck it up go ahead so, so <laughs> when I, so, else are you going to do it so i smashed <laughs> i smashed into my top tube so hard that i have a black and blue mark meg like had i been like an inch higher i might have been like a one nut wonder <laughs> But like I smashed it in my doctor, I had a hematoma meg that was the size of a softball, like oh, yeah. in my biking shorts, and it's black and blue from like my crotch, my groin, like almost down to my knee on my like thigh. Like it was, it was gnarly. I was like, oh, that's that's a that's a bad. After that one, I was like, all right, we're just gonna like ride casually back to the It's gonna the be, bar. it's gonna be chill. Just gonna yeah, be we're just gonna chill. we're gonna happy ride little, and look happy little trees. Exactly. So. So yeah, that was that was that's my recovery. That's what my well, recovery looks like. On my Thursdays, I have had a block of time, like three hours, three to four hours in between clients, which is not normal. Um, but I've been taking my mountain bike out during that time, you know, and it's been it's been freaking awesome to get to get out of the office to ride my bike. But yeah, that. The leaf cover is definitely, it just makes it hard to see. That's like, you can't tell, is it a rock or a leaf or what's going on? And if you start thinking about it, then you're going to fall. Yeah, it's not even. (laughs) But but you could miss something too. And then, you know, yeah. It's not even, so it's not even the leaf cover in the sense of, I can't tell what's under it. Like I trust, for the most part, I trust my suspension to absorb most everything. Um, Occasionally you'll like, there'll be like a stick or something that like, right. will, yeah. or a route that's cut, can't, that, that you're crossing the wrong way that might be an issue. But like what the leaf cover is, is like with the, there's a lot of oak leaves in a lot of the areas I ride and they're almost like wax paper, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, and when they're fresh and not ground up or like packed down, yeah. they are, yeah. are, it's the slipperyish. like, dude, I, it's slippery. Oh, I've, I've- do you know how many wipeouts I've had on those leaves just say, going around corners? Yeah, exactly. Not it's, even not even doing anything epic. Just yeah. literally taking a corner and you lean into the corner and your tires come out from underneath. Exactly. You, yeah. It's it's. I, I mean, it's sli- lot, it's yeah. slippery. It's slippery on like yeah. running it. So yep. yeah, it's ridiculous. But anyways, so we're we're that's that's where I'm at season wise. But um, but back to the I guess subject of recovery. It affords me a mental reprieve from the grind of just straight run training. And that's, mm. that's like huge. It's after, after Cocodona, I kind of went right into like, I was like, I was wicked burnt out because the training going into Cocodona, A, we were like in the coming out of the COVID year. So like there was very little racing going on. So there was, it was just like a cycle of constant training and building and building and building and building. And then after Cocodona, I was like spent 
and I went into I just went into the spot where I was like, I don't know if I ever want to run again. Like it was really weird. I was like, and I had races on the schedule. So I kind of was like trying to grind through that. And I didn't really, I didn't really recover. And I was kind of trying to like, and I started messing with, and that's when I started really messing with a mountain bike. And, but, but I just, for an entire summer, I like missed out on a summer and didn't have any fun. I just like rounded out. And then I had a shitty race at the end of the year. Like it was like, it was all for not. I mean, part of it is I broke two ribs mountain biking, but that's, it was just without that recovery and without that like mental reprieve. Do you find though that in addition to, you know, your running and stuff, does your job and your life stress you out too on top of that? Well, it depends. I mean, my job. My job. I have, I have very, two stressful jobs. That's why I'm asking. Like, and I never know when it's going to be stressful. I never know when it's going to be easy. I don't know. So my job, my my stress and my job is very seasonal. So spring season and fall are, are typically pretty pretty stressful at my job, just because of the workload is is very amplified. I'm in my current position and in my prior position. It's just and everything is is very subject to the whims and wills of people that are make decisions very poorly that make get paid a lot of money to make poor decisions but whatever that's that's just my opinion i guess um just anyways like opinion man i just like my opinion the, don't the rug, be on the rug the rug it really <laughs> brings the room together it's just rude anyways i digress so yeah. <laughs> um so at times that will add to the stress so like right now like i'm recovering but it's also a super stressful time at work so there's days where i'll get out of work and normally and some days i'm just some days i'm spent and i'm like i'm like i'm not training for anything just let's just go home and relax like we'll go home and spend time with the family maybe i'll like take care of that project instead of going out and running for like two hours and and it's a luxury that I have right now because I'm not training for anything. If if I was starting a training plan or I was in the middle of a training plan and I knew what events I was going to do and I was doing X, Y, or Z, it would be be like, well, like I got to get the run in and like we'll just like we'll grind it out. And I'm and honestly, like I'm not going to feel worse after the run. It's just sometimes getting over that mental hurdle and then right. sometimes. It's just it eventually like eventually that comes home to roost that like you keep if you keep trying to push that mental hurdle over and mental like, you know, so, yeah, um, it's it's good that it's a stressful time at work and not such a stressful time in my training and maybe family life. My family life is I mean, I my kids at this age are not super stressful. They will be in a few years, but we'll deal with it. Then. I feel. I feel rehab pressure. I'm not training, but I know what I have to do. I know what exercises I have to do. I know, you know, and so I feel pressure to do that. However, my my work is very stressful. And I mean my my specialization as a as a, a therapist is trauma. So and you know, I'm also a paramedic, but it, I just sometimes don't know what I'm going to get because I could be working with a client and, you know, 
they could just, you know, be processing some life stuff and it's okay, you know, it's, but then all of a sudden it's, I don't, you know, then they'll, then they'll drop a bomb. Oh yeah. And so this happened and it's, and it's huge. So um, the priest raped me. Yeah. Yeah. You joke, but I got to tell you, that's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff I'm listening to. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't talk about, I don't talk about specific much, but yeah, it's lately, um, yeah, in all seriousness, a lot of sexual assaults lately that, that I'm dealing with and walking people through and helping them and helping them process at, and so I feel this stepped up need to take care of myself. Not, I mean, I, I want to be healthy and I, you know want to you know be mindful and and all that good stuff but literally if i'm not i can't do my job if i'm squirrely if i'm yawning if i'm not paying attention if i forget details if i miss something like this is some days it's big stuff i'm dealing with and also i have really good boundaries and i compartmentalize really well so so your headache is not my headache okay your pain is not my pain and i'm okay with that like i can I can do that quite well, but if I'm tired, um, sometimes other people's stuff, I feel like leaks over onto me and will stick to me just a little bit more cause I'm tired. So, so I have been, so in addition to, you know, in addition to the rehab and that kind of work, I feel the importance of taking care of myself so I can be good at my job. I understand that. Yeah. 100%. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I need to recover to be good at my job. However, that being said, if I don't sleep well, it becomes an issue. And so, part of the thing about me changing to a day shift job is, Right, like my sleep was my sleep after twenty years of shift work starting getting like really fucked up. Um and and I needed to, I, I just it just needed to change. Like that's yeah. long and short of it. Sorry. I sleep I mean, I sleep a solid seven and a half to eight and a half hours every night. Like I'm like, do you do you sleep straight through? No, I'm a man. I have and I'm an old man. I have to pee. I wish I could sleep straight through. Yeah, well, I I'm asking because I I have chronic insomnia, so I'm like oh. it's it's unheard of for me to sleep all the way through. Yeah, I do not. I have a I I have a client that or an athlete that has the same. She like yeah, it's it's a curse. It's a curse. She gets up and like starts freaking out about like has like midnight like anxiety. I don't know. Okay, so. When I was actually explaining this to a client the other day, here's, um, if you're waking with anxiety, I'm just going to give you some, a little bit of education and some solutions. What happens is when anxiety is a feeling that's the tip of the iceberg. Okay. So you can see the very tip of the iceberg, but anxiety is never ang just anxiety. If I were to ask you to breathe into anxiety, you might notice that it's sadness fear, anger, whatever, 
but it's typically stuff that you don't want to feel. Okay, so what happens is those feelings get shoved down because we don't want to deal with it. We're just going to muscle through, right? And it manifests as anxiety. So, okay. And even with the anxiety, a lot of times we're like, I'm not feeling it. I'm just going to muscle through. I'm going to fix what's going on. I'm going to do it. As soon as we begin to relax, okay, typically sleep, the the body is relaxed enough so those feelings start to come up. I mean, it could be in the form of weird dreams. It could be in the form of like a, pan a panic attack in the middle of the night. But what it means, if you're waking in the middle of the night with anxiety, what what I tell people to do is sit there, breathe into it. What is really going on? What are you not feeling that your body felt the need to just wake you rudely in the middle of the night to process stuff? And then during the day, it's really important to be mindful going through the day, not to block out those feelings. Because if you're actually acknowledging the feelings during the day, it's not going to pop up at night. And I don't mean that, like, if you're sad at work, I don't mean sitting there and crying at your desk. You know, you could just realize, okay, I'm really sad. Just I'm struggling today. You wait to feel your sadness, you know, till it's an appropriate time. Or you could just be irritable and just get up from your desk, take a walk, start being more mindful. And the technique that the, the most simple technique that I give people for mindfulness is box breathing. So it's inhaling, you know, pick, pick a number, let's say four, inhaling to four, <laughs> pause, exhale for four, pause. And what you do when you inhale, that pause that follows the inhale, identify what feeling is in your body. Okay. Exhale. Imagine exhaling the feeling out. Circle back. You're inhaling what you want to bring in, pausing what's going on, exhale it out. And even if you could do that um, two or three times. Hokey yeah. therapist nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> but it. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It works. Fuck you. It does. It I does. Know. And it's funny because sometimes when people when people are even suffering from debilitating anxiety fear that kind of thing they want some like magic solution and they expect it to be complex and it usually it usually goes down comes down to the fact that you just need to be more mindful well, you need right, to be self regulating right. better talk i mean in the line of recovery that we're talking right so like what you're describing right like essentially you have anxiety your body's in the flight or flight or fight response mm -hmm. and transitioning to box breathing four in four out or four in pause mm -hmm. four out yeah. like then like transitions your body into the uh rest and digest mode which like right like and so like that's the recovery side so like it like transitions mm -hmm. your body out yes. of yep. that adrenaline based right. dump and what people tend to forget all when somebody is stressed, I'll be like, okay, let's sit here and breathe. They'll go, they do an inhale and, and they blow off the exhale. Okay. Now, what you have to remember is as humans, oxygen is not what's driving our breathing, except if you have COPD, if you have COPD. Yes. You, your, your oxygen is driving your breathing rate, but for, for the rest of us, it's, um, it's your carbon dioxide. So your breathing is controlled by how much carbon dioxide you have in your body. That's why the exhale is so important because as those levels of carbon dioxide build, your 
nervous system is building going, we got to get this out. We got to get this out. We got to get, but people forget about the importance of the exhale. And remember, that's what drives your breathing, not the oxygen. Awesome. And yeah. that's, that's how you recover. <laughs> yeah. From, yeah do- from, from everything, from, from your last workout, from your traumas, just breathe. breathe. Yeah. Um, I have been getting asked a lot. I'm bringing this up like at the end, towards the end of the podcast, probably a bigger subject. So there was that documentary on Netflix. Did you watch it um, called How to Change Your Mind? No. Um, so what it's about is um, they talk about different um, therapeutic um, and psychiatric techniques um, using ketamine, MDMA, medicinal LSD, um, psilocybin. And initially, so when I first heard about this five years ago, I don't know, maybe more, I, I blew it off. And I'm like, yeah, it's a bunch of, you know, it's a bunch of crap. However, um, I was definitely wrong and, and started really kind of, I've been digging into the studies and, and how it's done and, you know, what the dosage is and, you know, you're, you're in a medical office, you're supervised, you know, just, just really, you know, there's a therapist on hand, there's a nurse on hand, psychiatrists are, you know, in, in charge of the, um, you know, in charge of the medication, but it's been really interesting. And a lot of people have walked into my office. I never watched that documentary until just a couple of weeks ago. And it's actually not really a documentary. It's like, I think it's a six or seven show series and each show goes into a different alternative method of healing. Like one's about ketamine, one's about LSD, you know, that ayahuasca. Yeah. Now with that said, I really stress the importance of don't just go out and just get some ketamine and do it and think you're going to get better. (laughs) So it's really important that it's dosage controlled, that you know what medicine you're getting. Um, And also when this is done in a medical office, you have somebody sitting with you. Um, So God forbid, if anything were to ever happen to you, you, you know, you can immediately, immediately get treatment. So this sort of goes to the disclaimer at the beginning of the show. Don't, don't go do something stupid and be like, yeah, I'm going to go take some mushrooms because I need to Fuck that, Meg. Everyone should go take (laughs) mushrooms. I was thinking the other day, though, if somebody just rained medicinal LSD upon this world, we might be a better place. Dude, I don't don't know. It might turn into the purge. There's a lot of people with a lot of dark. LSD, so. But but I'm talking like medicinal at lower doses. I'm not talking like, you know, freaking dude, somebody, freaking somebody out. There's a lot but, of, there's a lot of dark in the world. People would get in touch with a lot of the dark in their side. I don't know perfect. if, I don't, I don't know if that's where we want to go now. Well, I don't have the power to do it today. So I'm I just think, saying, what if we just blow, what if, what if it was just like, Somebody just blew like THC smoke all across our earth and just made everybody chill out. I think that that might be okay, except for the schizophrenics. I think schizophrenics have a hard time with arrow. At least I I don't know. Actually, what you're thinking of is it's not it's not specifically schizophrenia. It's those that are prone to dissociation. Um, Do you know what I mean by that? You know what dissociation is? Okay, so. If on, on a scale of one to 10, have you ever been driving 
and you get home and you're like, how the hell did I get here? Like you were just thinking about something, okay, that you dissociated. It's normal to some level. That would be a one, okay? Um, top of the scale, 10 would be like, um, somebody has a really serious trauma. Um, somebody has a really serious assault and they separate from their body and they report seeing what happened almost from a third person type perspective. And the mind and the body does that to protect you from the trauma at hand. So certain levels of dissociation are normal. Um, you know, other levels are, um, higher acuity. And, and of more concern, but for people that have regular dissociation, it's typically trauma-based. And what it will look like is, and I know people can't see me, but imagine, so I'm talking, I'm talking and talking, and all of a sudden I'm putting on this like blank stare. And and so when my when I see somebody do that, I can usually just go, hey, and I just wave my hand or snap my finger and go, you still here? And they're like, oh yeah. And they come right back. However, um, some people dissociate and they'll stay there for a longer period of time. They could stay there for hours or they could stay there for days if we're talking about a psychotic break. So when people dissociate, it yes, it would be really questionable um, giving them medication that altered their reality because their reality is so tenuous to begin with. Yeah, I think there's there is some stuff with schizophrenia and uh, repeated marijuana use that like causes people that maybe not that have not had schizophrenic real like schizophrenic episodes to like cross over into that like where they I I've and it, it might be I was gonna say I've seen it personally and but the person also was using hallucinogenics and other stuff. And so that may have also triggered that, but definitely has some like, I've definitely seen some very, some various schizophrenic issues with, with. Well, and I've also seen a number of bad trips and I don't mean that people, I don't even mean like a hallucinogenic type trip. Um, I'm talking people overdosing on THC and initially I thought it was kind of funny because I didn't really understand what was going on. I tend to think of THC, like the stuff that was grown in our backyard, not my backyard, but you know, like grown in the backyard, like growing up. Marshall, right listen to that. Listen to that. Yeah, this yeah, is what she yeah, was doing. What, yeah. That's what Marshall was growing in the backyard. <laughs> but now it's, you know, the, the THC on hand is, can be so strong and people don't understand what they're taking and they take a huge amount. And it's really, really an interesting thing to bear witness to um and and also the horrible thing is for people that are overdosing on that there's really nothing that can be done except giving them fluids to just help them have <laughs> just you, help them process what's have you, in their system have you and i don't know if you come across this i've actually had talks with dr josh before about uh chs cannabinoid hypermesis syndrome i think i said that right which is like the weirdest thing, like it creates like it, from daily, essentially daily extreme use of marijuana or THC um, creates like bouts of vomiting. And the only thing that cures it is really warm baths or hot showers. I've and never so, seen that. I mean, I've yeah, heard as, it, do, if you it. If you're ever offline and you want to talk to Josh about it, he's like 
because when they like when weed became legal and he was in the ER, like mm-hmm. that like became that's like what, something that we get we get regular calls for THC overdoses. And again, at first I didn't think it I was like, Oh, what the heck? But then I started to see how bad it actually gets. They get, um, they get pussies. Oh yeah. <laughs> but they're like, I'll put some of that stuff in you and see what happens. Dude, you you wouldn't like to see what happens. It'll be fun, but only for that first day. Yeah. <laughs> it's all downhill after that. Yeah, so I don't have a magic pill for recovery. I don't have a magic drug for recovery. Um, <laughs> and pivoting. I, I think we could have, I think I could have led, I think I could have led with that. Um, yeah. Maybe mushrooms. Maybe that's the magic drug for recovery. You'll be forced to sit there. Oh, stay. goodness. Yeah, my reality is, uh, my reality is kind of wacky. It's a closet, Megan. Your reality is. I know. I'm, I'm literally in the closet. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can come out, Meg. It's 2023. Okay. All right. I'll do that. <sighs> so are we winding up? Dude, I don't even know. We didn't, we didn't talk shit about recovery, but like. Well, we reco- did. I think we totally, we totally did. Did we? we? Yes, we talked about recovery in, in life. And that's that's the direction that I wanted to go because, you know, with athletes and with when as coaches, people hire us and I'm like, no, you have to take a recovery week. I just make people do it and then they get the importance. That's pretty easy. However, the hard part is recovering from life and being able to show up whole. So when something little happens to you, you don't snap. I don't know. You drive around here with these idiot drivers, you'll snap. Idiot drivers. That, uh, there's, that's part of the reason I do not live in Connecticut anymore. The congestion was just getting too much for me. <laughs> I love the pandemic. It was the best. I, I miss know. it. I, I miss- could drive to Boston in like 45 minutes during the pandemic, but like in traffic, it could take you two to three hours. I miss it. I want people to be scared and go back into their houses and not come out. Well, I've seen, I don't know about Connecticut, but I have seen a huge outbreak of RSV and pneumonia. And Dude, the RSV thing is so ridiculous to me because it's been around forever. And like, it's just that like, we haven't had anything to talk about other than like, and it's just, it's, it's well, no, like. I don't, I don't mean the, from a talking about standpoint, I mean, from like people, people getting it and, you know, calling because, you know, they can't breathe kind of thing and having to go to the hospital and get, you know, and get treated. That's it's, there is a huge RSV outbreak in New Hampshire. I don't know about other States. I don't, I'm not really, Yeah, it's, but, it's um, a, I've seen a lot of RSV and pneumonia lately. Yeah. I think that's like, probably, we're probably heading back to normal with, right? Like it's just that everyone was so segregated for so long that those, like all that stuff got deregulated and didn't exist. Exactly. All, yeah. all, all that yeah. existed was, was, oh, we're going to get COVID. And oh, then, and now we're all indoors again together. And, no germs spread. And so now people are doing things and now the regular normal diseases are back. And now you have to deal with them and you haven't had to deal with them for two years. But still, I, I my point stands. I have never seen an RSV outbreak like I'm seeing right now. That's because that, well, it's because it's because it's probably concentrated from like two years of not existing and people 
losing a, a partial immunity to it yeah. from having it and like yeah. old people like well the ones that didn't die from covid now they got this or babies in this case also but stay healthy on that healthy. light note yeah what you know what it you know, wash your hands it's not that hard just wash your hands people and oh can i tell you i was at the urgent care a little while ago i think we had to get like a sports physical or something for one of the kids and you have to wear masks in there and some but this guy is apparently sick and he goes to sneeze and he takes off his mask what a dummy sneezes i'm like what the hell and i i sat there i looked at the receptionist and i was like if i go wait outside you'll text me right i'm gonna wait in my car what is up with people I just, just, people, people are dumb. There's like, right? There's that George Carlin joke that, like, if you think you're of average intelligence, there's like 50% of the population that's dumber than you. <laughs> right? Like, well, okay. So, circling back to the beginning of this podcast, what the heck does that mean for me that I can do all these hard things, genuinely hard things, but the simple things are going to break me? It's, it's it's the little things that are going to kill me. Death by a thousand paper cuts, Meg. Well, it reminds me of that movie. Do you remember? It's like from the 90s, I think. Michael Douglas and Falling Down. Oh, Falling Down is a great movie. Yeah. And he's, he just wants his McMuffin, you yeah. know? And it was like 10.01 and he couldn't get breakfast. I just like that movie resonates so deeply someday because you're watching this guy go off the deep end and like human beings can only be pushed so far. Just give the man his McMuffin. If you have not seen Falling Down, Michael Douglas, please go watch it. But do know it is a very violent movie. If that's not your, if that's not your jam. But he, he fucks up Nazis. So if you hate Nazis. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Plus one he's a for good that. guy. He's a good guy. I don't know if he's a good guy. He's an anti-hero, I would say. I don't know. He's a good guy. He's a good guy that got pushed too far. I don't know if he's, I mean, he's, he's he, okay. I'll go with that. That's just like your opinion, man. We, I need to watch the big Lebowski again. I don't think I've watched that in a while. I think the big Lebowski is better to quote than to actually watch. Oh, I, I love both. I mean, fucking Donnie. It's like it's like I feel about Ben Stiller movies. Better to quote than actually watch. Well, I'm a big fan of Ben Stiller movies, but. So. Yeah. But anyways, so, Meg, I guess that does take us to the end of recovery. You can go watch a movie and recover. What are yeah, we listening I... to on the way out? Okay. So if I'm trapped on a desert island and top 10 albums i'm gonna take with me one of them is jason isbell's southeastern and that was his 2013 release and so jason isbell was with drive-by truckers and he was an alcoholic um drug addict cleaned up but he got kicked out of drive-by truckers when he was having all these issues he has since you know made friends with drive-by truckers and made amends and all as well but anyway his music up until that point never it, it it's still it's his solo music wasn't clicking like commercially he wasn't getting a lot of attention but this album southeastern i think is is just a gem and it is probably one of the albums i listen to listen to most 
Oh, Meg, thanks. By the way, your music, your country music choices. It's not country music. That is not country music. Jason Isbell's country music. But anyways. That is not country music. He's not. That's considered Americana. That's different. No, it is not Americana. I would not consider that Americana. Like. Dude. Dude. Google it. He is not country music. Much different than my choices. Yeah, your choices. Your choices have been causing me issues. I like to give people nightmares, and I like to spread get, love. Get get songs stuck in their head. Sure. Well, I'm gonna get a good song stuck in your head. So, Stockholm, let me come home. All right. Bye, Meg. Until next time. Bye. shoulder of somebody's Saturday night Read the good book Studied it too But nothing prepared me for living with you Lock me up tight in these shackles I wear Tied up the keys in the folds of your hair And the difference with me is I used to not care Searching, going back to their own.